training and being mentored by Diderot champion Martin Boozer. He is racing to show that you can do things while coping with mental health issues. Please welcome to the show, Bill Trashinsky. That sounds awesome. Hi, folks. Hello, Will. Welcome to Husky Talk. Hi, thanks for having me. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Will. Um, I have been mushing since 2000, 2001, long time ago. Uh, and I actually started mushing when I was a kid. I started mushing when I was 14 years old. Um, yeah, and now I have, uh, let's see, how many dogs do I have? I have 28 dogs. Um, 22 uh, of them are, are sled dogs who run, and then we have a lot of house dogs too. And right now, I am working towards running Iditarod here in March. Talk to us about how you got involved with sled dogs and mushing. Well, when I was a kid, and um, when, when, so when I was a kid, we moved to Alaska uh, in 1993. I was seven years old. Um, how old are you guys? Fourteen. Fourteen. Oh, cool. So it's time for you guys to start mushing now. <laughs> um, well, I so when I was seven, we moved up, and I don't remember how I even learned about mushing. Um, but I I told my parents when we were going to move up to Alaska that I was going to be a dog sled musher, and um, I also thought we were going to live in an igloo, but that <laughs> part was silly because no one lives in igloos. It turned out. Um, but uh, yeah, we moved up, and then you know I I had that dream and I. Even in Alaska, it's still hard to get into mushing. It's not like you can just, you know, uh, all of a sudden be a dog musher. But my mom um, is a teacher, and she ended up teaching with a um, woman named Kathy Chapaton, who's married to a musher named Martin Boozer. And Martin uh, had, at that time, won Iditarod, I think, maybe twice, once or twice. And um, anyway, we became really good friends with them. And their kids, Roan and Nikolai, were my brother and I's age. So we all we all became friends and we'd hang out. And um, there was a race. Uh, have you guys heard of the Junior Iditarod? Yeah. Yeah, so there was the Junior Iditarod, which is for, um, when I was a kid, it was for, for kids from 14 to 17. I think now you can even start as young as 12, but... Um, Anyway, I, I heard about that race, and I was like, oh, I really want to do that. And, we, you know, I got to be around the sled dogs at Martin Boozer's house when we were hanging out with our friends, but I just didn't get to mush. And finally, I, I got the courage up one day to ask Martin. I said, Martin, do you think I can do it? And he said, do what? I said, run the junior I did a ride. And he didn't answer me. He just he picked up his phone, which was like a really old cell phone. Like it had a cord, and it connected <laughs> to a box. That's how old it was. And um, he called the Iditarod headquarters, and he signed me up. Like, he didn't even reply. He just signed me up for the, for the junior Iditarod. And um, so then that whole year, I trained with him, and I was kind of like his uh, apprentice, and he taught me how to mush. So I got to, um, you know, run dogs from everything from, you know, short runs to, like, 80-mile runs all by myself. And then in February of 2001, 
I did my first race, which was the junior at Iditarod, and um, it was awesome. I mean, I was totally hooked. Um, and then from there, I ended up working with different people all over the state. So I continued mushing with another small kennel, um, and I ran the junior at Iditarod two more times. Um, I ended up working with, uh, when I got older, I worked with uh, Mitch Seavey, who's also won the Iditarod, and I've worked with... Um, mushers in Fairbanks and Big Lake, all, all over Alaska. Uh, I was doing what's called handling. So it's kind of like you're scooping a lot of poop and you get to run dogs, but you know, you're not, you're not in charge. You're the apprentice. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's how I got my start. It was just uh, all part of the dream. You mentioned that you trained with Iditarod champion, Martin Boozer. Talk to us about what mm -hmm. you learned from Martin. Oh, that's a great question. And I'm, I'm so glad that I got to learn how to mush from Martin because he's one of the best dog people, like period, not even just about mushing, but he is so good with dogs. And one of the most important things that he uh, believes about dogs and, and taught me about dogs is about something called positive reinforcement. Um, and do either of you guys have dogs? Uh, we used to. Yeah. Well, uh, so positive reinforcement is when, when your dog does something good, then you reward them, right? Instead of if your dog does something like quote unquote bad, instead of like telling them they're naughty, uh, one of the things you do is just ignore the bad thing and only give them a positive uh, feedback when they do a good thing. So that's positive reinforcement. And, um, and it just is kind of the attitude of um, making making the environment for the dog really happy and really friendly. And, um, you know, Martin's kennel is called Happy Trails. And so he definitely, like, the happiness factor is really important. So um, his dogs are just these happy, happy dogs with a lot of... Um, playfulness and joy. Um, one thing that Martin does that when I started mushing wasn't that popular was that he he does something called free play where you just let a lot of dogs out at the same time, like um, just loose, and they just run around and play with each other. And we would do this in a big, um, there was sort of these old small airplane fields, like uh, landing fields or whatever. And we would go over there and we would take four-wheelers and we would like race with the dogs and play frisbee. The dogs didn't, you know, sled dogs don't usually like care about fetch or anything, but they would run around with us while we played frisbee with each other. And um, it was awesome, you know, and it helps the dogs learn, um, you know, how to uh, just kind of get along as a group and play. And it gives a sense of, of teamwork. So that was one of the most important things I learned from Martin. But he's also really, I mean, he is just like one of the best mushers in the world. So there's so many things I learned from him. Everything from, you know, how does a sled go together to the right techniques for camping and making a campfire and, um, you know, why you harness a dog in this certain way uh, to a lot of vet care um, I, I learned so much, and, and every time I see Martin, we're st I'm still good friends with Martin. Every time I talk to him, I learn something new, so it's a pretty awesome uh, connection to have. You said you trained other with other mushers who were some of 
those mushrooms? So I trained with um, Mitch Phoebe. Uh, I trained with a musher named Judy Courier, and she is not mushing anymore, but she did pretty well in mid-distance mush or races. So, um, so some of the races that are smaller, are like 150 to 300 mile races. But she also ran Iditarod and the Yukon Quest. Um, let's see who else. I trained with a musher named Kristen Bacon. I helped her run her first Iditarod. And then the last musher who I worked with was named Scott Smith. And um, he actually also ran. So when I worked for Scott, I had just gotten my own first sled dog. Her name is Hooch. And um, she's awesome. She's a leader. And that year, he, uh, she was one of his main leaders. And uh, they got 10th in Iditarod. So pretty cool. Do you find it important to train with many different mushers? I am really glad that I did train with a lot of different mushers because every single musher like does things a, a you know a different way. There are so many different ways to do mushing. It's one of the reasons I love mushing is because everybody can approach it in a completely different way and kind of still get a similar result, you know, as far as getting across a long distance with with dogs so i've learned so many different things from all of the mushrooms i've worked with i don't think that's very common actually most people are not foolish enough to continue handling for more than a couple of years because when you're a handler it's kind of it's a lot of work you almost never get paid uh like any money um and uh it's not people you know it's it's really difficult. It's just you're you're um, yeah you're at the whim of of the musher you're working for, and so most people tend to either start their own kennel after a couple of years, or they go on to do other things that are not mushing because um, yeah it's it's very difficult. But I foolishly continued to handle for people for years and years, uh, but I did get a very good uh, diverse education out of that. Anyone wanting to run the Iditarod must run qualifying races. What races did you complete for your qualifiers? That's, yep, that's completely correct. So I have done um, a lot of races in all the years I've mushed. Um, my qualifiers are, I have done the Copper Basin 300. Um, I've done that now four times. It's either four or five times. I can't even remember. Um, I've done, there's a race that doesn't happen anymore, but it was a pretty cool race called the Northern Lights 300, mm -hmm. and it actually went on the first, um, it would, it went on the first 150 miles of the Iditarod, and then it turned around and came back, so I've gotten to see that first part of the trail, and I did that race two or three times, and then, um, technically, my junior Iditarod count as a qualifier, um, so I did the junior Iditarod three times. What is your goal as a rookie in this year's race? That's a very good question. My number one goal is to uh, finish with a really happy team. Um, and that's always my goal. So it's really important to me that my dogs have wagging tails at the end of whatever event we're, we're doing, whether that's just an expedition that we're going on for fun or any race. So that's my number one goal for sure. Um, my other goal is to um, 
kind of try to live up to the ability of my dogs. My dogs are are really awesome. I mean, I'm biased because, of course, I think they're the best dogs in the world. But um, they're really a great little team, and um, they're doing really well this year. And the limiting factor, for sure, is me. I am the the creature on the team that's going to slow the team down the most. So I'm going to try my best to... Um, to match the quality of my dogs. And if I can do that, then I think we can do okay. I don't have any kind of a hope of like what place we get. That doesn't really matter to me as much, especially because this is my first Iditarod. And then this is also for almost all of my dogs, their first Iditarod. So it's a new experience for all of us. And so the most important thing is that we have a positive experience. You had to attend a mandatory rookie meeting back in December. What is the best message you heard at this meeting? That's a great question. Yeah, and actually that rookie meeting was really, um, was actually really great. Uh, so there were a lot of great mushers there who shared a lot of different wisdom. And I think the most important, uh, well, I'm going to kind of cheat on your question a little bit because there's two different things that everybody kind of said that I really thought were important. So one of them was, Something I've always heard, but it's always good to hear again, is to know your team. And so they were talking about that mostly for vet care, because if you know your dogs really well, then you can, um, you know, you can see, well, okay, my dog, Zenny, she's something weird. She's not acting like herself. And that's how you can spot if they're not feeling well or something's going on. So that's so important is to know your team. Um, the other thing that people said was, you know, this year we have a completely different route for Iditarod, and almost every single musher who talked to us um, said that, you know, it doesn't really matter what the route is. What matters is getting, basically like getting to the next checkpoint, doing the thing in front of you. Don't worry about the big, you know, picture of like the route. You just keep, you keep doing and you, or you keep going and you do the race that, that is in front of you, whatever that trail might look like. I kind of think that's a good metaphor for life. You know, you might not, you might not, um, things might not go as you expected them, but you got to keep going and keep doing the next step in front of you. If you don't mind, we'd like to ask you a few personal questions. Okay, I'm ready. Go for it. As you know, this is a student-produced and mostly student-listened-to podcast. Some young, people, mm -hmm. some young people struggle with mental illness. Your website talks about your kennel being a project to accomplish dreams while struggling with depression. Can you talk to us about how this message can help kids? Yeah, wow, thanks for asking that. That's uh, so important, and I wish that it was talked about more because, especially with kids, because, um, yeah, as I'm sure that any of you or any of the folks who are listening might know that, you know, uh, like, <laughs> depression is real, and anxiety, um, that's something that I also struggle with. Um, I also finally kind of recently was diagnosed with ADHD, which um, has been really interesting to learn about this year for myself. Um, but any of those things, it's like, it's really difficult to get through. And especially when, when you're a kid, you know, you don't really have, um, 
don't have full control of your life, you know, like everybody's telling you what to do. And um, also there's a lot of pressure and that can be really difficult. Um, when I was a kid and um, first really started going through depression, I was, I was you guys' age, I was 14 um, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't really know what I was experiencing. I just felt pretty horrible. And um, I also didn't feel like I could talk to anybody because I thought that, you know, I had a lot of pressure to be sort of perfect. And so I didn't think that it was okay for me to talk to anybody about it. And I did finally um, talk to a friend of mine and I was able to get, um, you know, start talking to a counselor. And let me tell you, it sucked. It was not fun. Um, it was not like uh, an easy experience. And I was really resistant to talking to a counselor uh, because I didn't think that, you know, I didn't think that an adult could possibly understand what I was going through and, uh, or if they even wanted to listen. But, um, you know, eventually I was able to start talking to people and, um, I think if you are able to find somebody who, who you can talk to, even if, um, you know, maybe that just starts off being a friend. Um, one thing that I've discovered, like talking about mental health on my website and all of the different places is that um, there's a lot. We, we as society doesn't like talk about mental health stuff, but there's so many of us dealing with it. Um, and it's, it's the reality. And so, you know, if you do talk to people, you may find that like there are more people out there experiencing what you might be feeling um, than you think. And you're not, you're not alone in what you're feeling. Um, and another thing that's been really, really important that I kind of, it, it took me a really long time to learn was that sometimes when I'm in a really bad place and I feel really down, um, I try to, I decide, or I, I kind of have made the um, choice that what I'm going to hold off on making any big decisions until, uh, like, for that day. And I let myself sleep, and I let myself um, just kind of do, like, really basic things because, um, you know, depression, a lot of that is coming from your brain chemistry, and a lot of that is coming from, like, okay, well, probably drinking water might be useful or maybe like eating some food um, or maybe like taking a walk. There's a lot of things that we can do that can help our brain chemistry a little bit. Um, and if you can hold off making any kind of big decisions in that time, then you give yourself the space and you give your body the space to maybe recalibrate a little bit. But, um, you know, our other message is um, the idea of going onward and in mushing uh, so sled dog mushing might look like really fun, but sometimes we mushers call it like suffering for entertainment because it's actually like really cold. It's really, sometimes it's very miserable and you're out there in the middle of the woods, like alone. And you're like, what am I doing? This is ridiculous. Um, but you know, if you kind of, if you decide you're just going to give up, what are you going to do? You're going to just sit on the side of the trail and cry. Like you're not going to, it doesn't do anything, you know, you're not going to be able to, um, to, you're not going to get somewhere where you're going to be in a better space if you just, you know, if you give up there. But, um, so that's why our motto is onward. 
And, you know, sometimes you just got to keep taking the next step, even when things suck, even when it is just really horribly difficult and it doesn't seem like there are any like possible outs. Um, If you just take another step, then, uh, you know, maybe eventually you'll reach the quote unquote checkpoint that is, um, you know, in mushing, you reach a warm place where you can sleep and eat some food and, and feel a little better. And for mental health, you know, maybe that you're able to find somebody who you, who understands what you're going through, or you're able to talk to somebody who can give you some, some tools to deal with the things that you're dealing with. So anyway, that's my long-winded answer. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I'm really glad you guys asked about that. Thank you for sharing that. We also see that you are a trans guy. Can you talk to us about what that has been like as a musher? Yeah, well, you know, um, as a musher, it's very interesting. I definitely thought that it would be a little bit more controversial, but the mushing community is funny in some ways. Like, it's kind of a more, um, you know... uh, it's the type of space where you would think maybe it's a little bit more conservative and kind of a little bit more old school. But in some ways, uh, mushers are, are, I don't know, kind of progressive because they, um, they kind of don't, they just don't really care. Like, you know, you can do what you want or need in your personal life. And, um, as long as you work hard and take good care of your dogs, that's kind of the, um, the attitude. But I also know that, like, when I was a kid, if I had, I had no idea what, like, the idea of somebody being trans even was. But if I had, that probably would have helped my mental health a lot. And so that's one reason that I'm trying to be uh, visible about myself and not just, um, you know, like, being quiet about it. I'm probably not the first trans musher. um, And there's another trans guy last year who started the race. He's a friend of mine, Quint. But um, even before us, there probably has been trans mushers. Uh, We just don't necessarily know about them, Um, you know, because they were not, they were not in a place where they could be open about that. Um, But it is important to me to uh, be open about that and about um, being LGBTQ. Um, And yeah, hopefully just to, to show that There are spaces, even with things like um, mushing or like maybe like ranching or, you know, doing things with animals or outdoors that can be um, spaces where people uh, who are queer or trans or, um, you know, have any other kind of identity that doesn't fall into the quote unquote norm. Um, you know, we can hold those spaces. There's no reason that we can't. And sometimes it takes a little extra urge and sometimes it takes a little extra work, but it is, it's totally possible. And um, the more of us who are visible, the more uh, welcoming those spaces can be. So um, I'm hopeful that that will, you know, open the door for some more folks down the road. We have a new segment on the show we are calling Mushroom Mashup. What we are okay. going to do is give you a major event from history, a sporting event, the mm-hmm. number one song of the year, and the Iditarod champion. You have to guess okay. the year all of these events happened. Make sense? Okay. Yep, I'm ready. 
The Iditarod champion was Martin Boozer. The New England Patriots won the Super Bowl. George W. Bush was president. The movie Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets was released. And the number one song was Lose Yourself by Eminem. Okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. Mouth spaghetti. <laughs> I have, that's so funny. I was just singing that song the other day. Uh, I'm going to guess 2002. Uh, yeah, 2002. Yep. Nice. Yes. Good I job. I don't really think about that for a minute. Hey, so guess what? It's kind of cool. The dogs that Martin won that I did a rod with were the dogs that I ran my first junior I did a rod with. Those were the dogs that I trained. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, isn't that awesome? They're, uh, they were so great. They were such a great little team. And their, their names were, there were some Star Wars dogs. So there was um, uh, Yoda. He was, uh, he was a really wacky dog. He was, like, really goofy. Um, and then there was a Night Litter. So my favorite dog out of all those dogs, her name was Luna. She was this little black leader, and um, I trained her how to be a leader, so I'm very proud of her. And she finished that. I did a rod in league. And, um, yeah, anyway, she's super cool. I'm very biased. <laughs> Finally, how can people follow you on social media? Awesome. Well, um, our main platform, on, uh, which is like kind of unusual for most mushers, uh, we use Twitter a lot. So people can follow us on Twitter at... A T A O Kennel, um, and we are on we are on Facebook and Instagram, and it's the same thing. A T A O Kennel, um, and then anybody can go to our website as well, which is A T A O Kennel dot com, and we pronounce it Ateo. Thanks for talking to us today, Will, and good luck in the Iditarod. Thank you, folks, so much. I really appreciate talking to you. And um, where can I listen to the pod? Um, on, like, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, uh, iTunes the Iditarod cool. website. Oh, awesome. Right on. Okay, well, I'm going to share it with uh, some of my followers, if that's cool, too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, guys. Great job. I really appreciate the interview. Special thanks to our guest, Will Trishansky, for being on our show this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please stop by iTunes and leave us a review. It helps with our ratings. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or people you'd like to hear from on the show, email us at huskytalk1 at gmail.com. If we hear from you or you leave a review, we will read it on the show. We would also like to give credit to Hobo Jim for our theme song, the Iditarod Trail song. And now enjoy a clip from the number one song of 2002, Lose Yourself by Eminem.